you wanna learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7, Brave New Radio. We got managers, producers, record labels, concert promoters galore. Wednesday at 8 p.m. Yeah! yeah! Music Biz 101 and more live from Nashville, Tennessee, the Boy. volunteer state. Make sure you go to our website, musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for that newsletter. You need to sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, at musicbiz101wp. And, of course, we have a podcast, which many of you are listening to right now, mm-hmm. and you found it at iTunes or SoundCloud, Music Biz, Ampersand, 101, no, Music Biz 101, <laughs> Ampersand, more, Music Biz 101 and more. I'm your professor, David Kirk Philp. Who are you? I am Stephen Marconi. Dr. Esteban. Yes. And so as you listen, you'll hear a student, you're going to hear a great, great person, but this was a summer class because of William Patterson, the university. So we want to thank Ashley Weltner, who's been our engineer for all of our radio shows over the past year. And she hooked us up with this tremendous technique of recording that we're doing right now. And we should give thanks. So we put our uh, hands together, legs together, eyes closed, heads down. Thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, and Kith. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB. CPA.com when you are ready. And we should all give thanks to Christine Vey. Oi, a wealth manager and the president of <laughs> Oi Vey Management. <laughs> Oi Vey Wealth Management. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson the University to manage their investments to plan out for their retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, or if you have any questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance retirement planning, give Christine a call at repeat after me, 732. 732. 455. 455. 1,510. 1,510. You can also email her, Christine at oyveywealth.com. And take the last oy off for savings. That's right. Many shout outs to many different people, but don't forget managing your band's sixth edition. By the time you hear this, it has been out for a year, but like fine wine, it's aging beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's a book, it's in color, it's got glossy pages. And only a few mistakes. Very few mistakes. <laughs> so you're going to love it. And always contact, contact us. Again, go to musicbiz101wp.com, and that's where you can find everything out. Again, big thanks to the Music Biz Association for having us here. Yes. And now on to La Interview. Mm. Two, one, Marconi. Three, two, one, Marconi. There we go. Music Biz 101 and more. I'm your professor, David Kirk Philp, along with your doctor, Esteban. Mark Crony. Great to have him here. We have some great guests today for yes. this particular radio show in Nashville, Tennessee, the Volunteer State. Correct. Yes, yes, correct. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. We're going to start um, on our left, your right. Uh, we have Frank Hill, Director of Lifestyle and College. I got it backwards. College and Lifestyle Marketing, because they do it alphabetically, and that's why I didn't want to get that wrong. So oh, good to have you. Frank Hill, everybody. Frank Hill. <laughs> The, the listeners on the radio and also uh, the podcast just clapped. 
they're that experiential. That's amazing. Right. I heard we're making this I a participatory yeah. experience. Yeah. So about. speaking of the experience, we also have Todd Goodwin, who is the is it senior, SVP, senior vice president. He's not good enough as a VP. He had to be upped a little bit. Sure. He's no EVP, so but he's definitely a senior VP of college lifestyle and experiential, very difficult word for me, marketing. So Todd Goodwin. <laughs> And then, of course, the person who's very important to have with us is Kellen Barnes. Yes, I'm back. Who, with the Warner Music Group, is what? What I'm the college marketing representative. Ah. For the Warner Music Group. For the Warner Music Group. So similar, but not at all. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So we wanted her here because she can add her two cents to what you guys do. And then she can say, here's what Warner has been doing. You guys could say, well, here's what we see and what we do. Right. And we're jumping. Yes, we're jumping to my head. So you want it. You bring yeah, it. Yeah, different. You know, the funny thing, the funny thing about it kind of closes the circle is all the, the three majors have programs, but they're very dissimilar. Um, so I came from the Sony system, uh, built, kind of built my career early on at the Sony system and came over to Universal like three years ago. Um, last probably seven and a half years at the Sony was really focused on helping kind of modernize the college marketing program there, uh, working with an amazing guy uh, named Frank DeSico who still runs that program. Um, so having been at two majors, now Universal, um, you know, Universal just is just has a unique structure as far as how the company's laid out that our, our competitors don't. I mean, our competitors have like a distribution system and a lot of the core label resources that are shared at the center of the company are based on the distribution at Universal. Uh, we don't necessarily have a distribution system. We have a company that hand, like we have a division of the company that handles like commerce and dealing with other partners like Spotify, Apple, Pandora. The list goes on and on. Uh, but we're housed as our own standalone department, as is our D2C group, as is our brand group. So you've kind of got a lot of these different divisions that are all standalone departments reporting directly to the top of the company, um, and college being one of those. Um, the reason being is because we felt like we had to have an extreme focus on the 18 to 24 demographic, meaning that we have um, streaming, which has taken over the business, and what's really driving streaming are people within that specific demographic. And you know, anybody can have access to millions of songs on their phone, but how do we cut through the clutter? How do we make our artist a brand that they're thinking about outside of you know picking up their phone or just being on the streaming service? And that's where college you know comes in. So there's the promotional part of it, the marketing side of it, but one thing that really differentiates Universal is our focus on skill set. So um, you know, we really focus on bringing in people that are ready to start their careers while they're in college. So it's not an internship, it's not a um, you know, it's not a, just a resume placeholder. It's like truly somebody starting their career. So you know, since last May. We've had 21 of our reps move from college marketing roles into full-time positions. Um, you know, every year we bring up our college reps to New York or LA, and we have a big annual meeting where they have to prep presentations, present to the heads of the companies, and they have to solve infrastructure issues. And it's a big conference that we have every year, and that's like kind of like their showcase. And we do like a massive showcase on the reps to kind of ready for them the next, for the actually what would be the second you know job in their career, which would be you know an assistant or coordinator level role. Um, so we're trying to build careers long term, and you know that's what we really have uh, had to focus on. But the skill set part of it is, is interesting because w- as we look at what reps are doing, like we, our reps used to be in the field, kind of like putting up posters and handing out flyers, and that was like kind of what the college program 
was in the past. But, you know, in this day and age, like everything you do has got to be like, what's going to cause somebody to pick up a phone and take an action with their phone? So all of our focus has been on that. And a big part of that is content, um, you know, developing content. So within our college team with and completely, you know, ran by us and our students is um, we have a, a production team now. So our reps uh, very like one thing that we're looking for in college reps is like content creation skills. So we've got a production team of uh, about 15 right now. We're going to take that to 20 this year. We've got 80 reps on the team uh, in the U.S. We just expanded in the U.K. So we've got another 15 reps in the U.K. Um, that are ran, you know, from uh, the team locally there that also focus on content. And uh, they're doing videos with the artist. Uh, like two weeks ago, we had a situation because, you know, marketing budgets, you know, we're a lot, you know, every artist, you know, when we sign an artist, we have a marketing budget attached to that. And we want to help them develop their career and give them the best chance of success. Um, but as a project's still developing, before you get that first big radio hit, before you get that first you know, major look from a streaming service, you know, you've really got to grind and get that artist on the road and get that artist in front of people. Um, but sometimes these baby bands don't have the budgets to kind of do a lot of the stuff they want to do to kind of push their vision forward. So we had this opportunity a few weeks ago where, and this happens quite often with us and how our team is utilized, where an artist wanted to um, make a video and, you know, the label didn't feel like the budget was allocated for their video budget would be enough to kind of get them to where they wanted to be. So they came to us and we had our reps write the treatment, do the casting, do the budgeting, mm -hmm. do the um, location, scouting. location scouting. And uh, the label flew them in. They shot the video. They're in post-production right now. And we're going to have a live video that we've, not a live video, we have an actual official video that's produced by our team. And our reps have done that quite a few times now where we have a lot of different videos. We do like but we produce like a, uh, uh, vertical videos, which end up on the streaming services. We produce a lot of behind-the-scenes footage. Uh, we produced our first festival at the University of Michigan, and uh, we actually flew our college rep staff in to shoot the festival. And so the, all the content that came from the festival was shot by our team. Uh, you know, our reps are getting more and more involved in doing lyric videos, so we have, we've had a few of those launch recently as well. So, I mean, content's a huge part of what we're doing and the experience. We do about 30 events that we produce on college campuses every year where we have artists show up and do, like, speaking engagements or songwriting clinics or, um, you know, just uh, talk about whatever they want. Maybe they'll do, like, a short, stripped-down performance. Um, those are the kind of things that we're looking to do to kind of you know, really make an experience out of the music. You know, producing great content, producing great events to get these developing artists in front of people. Because, you know, I can buy a ticket to a show. I can listen to your music on streaming service. But for me to you, being able to ask you a question, have an open dialogue, mm -hmm. uh, is something that's uh, not as frequent. And I feel like getting our artists into more and more of those situations kind of not just exposes them and humanizes them in front of, like, a you know, their potential fan base, but it just it kind of develops loyalty among that demographic. Like, oh, did you see that, you know, or Elisa, you know, while she's in the, in the U.S., went to USC and did this amazing, you know, event with these kids. And, and, and the artists like doing it because they feel like they've got knowledge to share. They're often speaking to people that are just a few years younger than, than them. So uh, those kind of things have been, you know, really successful for us. And then we do, uh, with, with 80 reps, you know, I'm talking about a little bit more about our structure, we have you know, a media team. So we have reps that are based in various markets where we can't afford because of budgeting to have a rep in every single market because, you know, they're, they cost quite a bit. <laughs> We've got to make sure that 
you know, we, we, we have them in the, the markets where we have the most bands going through tour, et cetera. But, you know, we, but we do have artists from time to time going through like North Dakota or South Dakota or Montana. Mm-hmm. So we have, we'll have like a rep in Oregon who's basically like a publicist who will handle all of these different, you know, locations. Um, and they'll call these schools remotely and talk to their student organizations and talk to the student newspaper and student radio station and try to find opportunities for artists you know, to do things while they're going through those markets, even though they may not be there physically. Uh, the rep might not be there physically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got a media team. We've got an ideation team that we just built where we've got these reps that are out there kind of like just coming up with creative ideas to take to the top of the company, being like, you want to market to the 18 to 24 demographic? Here's the research and the ideas that are coming directly from them. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got another part of the team which is just hand, you know, just handles like our social media feeds, which they've kind of built from scratch. Like we try to get involved with like, you know, direction, our knowledge of, you know, what we should be doing through socials, but we allow the kids to kind of run it day to day. So uh, we really empower our reps to really have autonomy and, and accountability in, in running their own, the only, their, a certain part of our team, because it's divided up and very much structured, but like, kind of like a label, you know, because we are a label service. We work across all the labels underneath the universal umbrella, which includes Caroline and all of our distributed labels. Mm -hmm. So we could have projects coming from any direction. We have to have we have projects coming from all genres, meaning that we've got to have reps that not just have a wide musical palette and appreciation for different kinds of music, but we have to have reps that, you know, understand that sometimes it's not about whether or not you like the music, but it's about finding the knowing how to find the people that will. Um, so I think that's a big part of marketing that a lot of people have to learn. It's not necessarily about whether you like it. It's about, do I know how to find the people that will? But when you do love something and you do love working on an artist and you do have that passion, it makes working on that project all the more you know, rewarding, I think. Mm-hmm. And how does this differ from Sony's um, structure? I mean, Sony, from what I know, I mean, like, I've, I've been gone from the company for a while, but they've, right. they've got a really great program. It's legendary. It came from the CBS yeah, days. Sure. Um, you know, I started working in college as a Columbia street marketing rep years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of the Sony system as well. You know, but Sony's doing a lot of, a lot of really, really great things. They're doing some events on campus. Um, I don't know what they're doing content-wise. I don't mm-hmm. believe that they've necessarily expanded outside of the U.S. because, like, global expansion is a big part of what I'm focused on now is mm-hmm. taking our model and getting it into different territories. But I will say that, you know, I can't speak for Sony, but I can say that, you know, they've got a great, you know, guy running the program. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been there for, for quite a long time, and they've got... Um, you know, a lot of reps that are entering the industry, um, you know, mm-hmm. from their program as well. Um, but, you know, when I was there, I mean, it was, it, it, we were kind of at the, the precipice of, like, when streaming was becoming, mm-hmm. it was really changing the industry. I left in 2015 right as, you know, we were, yeah. like, like, we went from, like, recovery to an actual growth business again at yeah. that time. Right. So I kind of left at a time when, you know, I was going to Universal to do my thing. They were kind of changing their program a little mm-hmm. bit. So, I mean, look, we definitely look at them as a competitor, but at the same time, it's all love because we're all trying to, like, make this a better industry. Yeah. But as far as, like, the ins and outs and the nuts and bolts of what exactly they're doing with their program, I mean, I see that they're doing some great events on college campuses. I know they did something with uh, Wyclef Jean where he went to, like, probably 10, 15 schools, mm-hmm. like, doing this, mm-hmm. like, so, uh, competition with artists where they could get up and jam with them and stuff like that and I thought that mm-hmm. was really cool um, mm-hmm. so much respect to them for that and they've got I mean they've got like a great social feed as well so I kind of see the different things that they're doing and they really do a good job of highlighting their reps and preparing them for life after college um, 
But yeah, I mean, other than that, I've been gone a while, so right. you'd have to ask no, them well, about were, that. I mean, they were the initiators yeah. years mm-hmm. ago. I mean, people like Jonathan Sykes was a rep, and Harvey yeah. Leeds, and those guys yeah. were all, I was at Syracuse. Yeah. They're all, you know, and that was a stepping stone for the, for the guys that really knew what they were doing. It wasn't in the classroom. I mean, half of them didn't even go to Right, class. I can tell you, all and that's that, a great that point, stuff. though. And it's a it's a great point about how we differ because you know when I was at Sony, so much about what we talked about was the history of the department, and you would yeah. look around the building and look around the industry and look at managers and artists, yeah. And, yeah. and you'd see all these executives from, you know, a program that had been around since like, I think it's like 1969 or 1970. Yeah, yeah, in the early uh, early 70s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like the biggest. Um, you know, the, that was always great to have that history because you always had kind of like the biggest fraternity in the music business. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, one thing I've learned at Universal, which has actually, I think, been a benefit, is that, you know, when, you're, when you all of a sudden, like, kind of rebuild a team or start a new program, you don't have the history, which means you, there's no, you know, resting in your laurels. You yeah, con- no. you, you're constantly fill and have this, you know, this need to kind of evolve and expand yeah. and do different things because, you know, you're not. You just don't have that history. When you when you have no history, it all becomes about the present and the future. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of where like you know our program and it's it, it was kind of built that way out of necessity because mm-hmm. you know we didn't have anybody to lean on. And even though you know coming from Sony, I knew the template very well. I also knew that our companies are structured very different ways. So mm-hmm. I couldn't you know build the same program that we had at Sony Universal. And there's sure. you know it just wouldn't it wouldn't work. You yeah. know, whereas yeah. probably my model wouldn't work. You know, it's Sony. Yeah. You know, I think like uh, there's there's, this, there's well, this vision, like there's a culture. Yeah, there's a culture. I mean, we always ask the kids that. You know, do you enjoy when they're doing internships, even? Yeah. And they've done, let's say, they've done a Sony and you've done a Universal or whatever. I've always asked them, cultural, you know, compare and what really like better, you know, uh, and it that has to do, of course, with exactly what you're saying. Yeah. If you can't structure a Universal structure somewhere else when it's you know universal different a, than the other place because one thing I, I would challenge people if you're doing internships and you've worked at a company like Warner if you worked at Sony you worked at Universal during your time as a college student really make notes on what that culture looks like and how yeah. you might fit into it because I think like the biggest thing about career growth is yeah you've got to have the skill sets and you've got to have the chops but you also have to be in a position where you know you like going to work every yeah, day yeah yeah especially as you move on in your career because you know once you get married once you have kids and once right. you like have these different kind of things outside of work you know when i remember my 20s and 30s it's all about like work work yeah, work work yeah. work and then like you get older and you have kids and it's just like all of a sudden it's like man like i spend more time with frank hill than i spend with yeah, you know, right. timothy goodwin who's my four-year-old son yeah. and it's kind of like in my wife and my other son benjamin and, and so I better like Frank, and I better yeah. like coming to work and work with Frank, and I better have a team that kind of has a vision. And we like, and I feel like I try to definitely create like a family atmosphere. The culture mm-hmm. is everything to me. I mean, I mm-hmm. think like you've got to have a great culture, especially, you know, we were in a down business for a long time. You know, we were in a business. You know, when I entered the business, um, you know, it was like ten, eleven years of just bad news. Mm-hmm. And but. We got through it because you developed a community of people that just love music and yeah. they just that you know were optimists that saw a future. Because you know even at the industry's worst, you know, we all knew. I mean, there's always going to be a need for music. People are always going to need to have access to music. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about whether that was going to happen. It was going to be about how quickly we were going to figure that out. Yes. 
But, yes. you know, the reality is, though, we went into work and we all loved music. We all loved going to shows. We all yeah. loved the culture around the industry. And that's kind of what kept us going. Yeah. And also that the, the consumer never devalued music. I mean, they took it for free and so on, but they never right. devalued the role music played in their life. So yeah. it's only going to be a time when you guys figure it out. How are we going to rent a, you know, get revenue from this? How are we going to monetize now the way they're viewing music? But it wasn't a question of that they, they don't like music anymore. You know, what are we going to do? That was never the case. You know? Well, it's a great point, too, because I think one thing that we learned, we, started, we just listened to the consumer. Like yeah, the, the consumer yeah. really drives our business. Like it's not, you know, we can no longer go to the consumer and saying, "Hey, this is what's cool. Right. You're going to listen to this because exactly. we've deemed this is something that's going to be successful." Yeah. We're just reading back the data half time and be like, "This is what consumers think are are uh, is really working," and we're able to see in live time what consumers are reacting to. And also for unsigned artists, we're making better educated A and R decisions based yeah. on kind of yep. what is happening on the streaming services. Mm-hmm. And you know, to that point. You know, if someone's having success on the streaming services when they're unsigned, it then becomes about all these other additional things we offer on the value chain yeah. that, you know, that make an artist want to sign with a major label, for example. Yeah, and sure, then, sure. But to your point about culture, again, it's like artists, see, you know, look at cultures as well. And, you know, because yeah. if you go to Universal Music Group, we've got all these amazing labels that all have very different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got, you know, the history of Capitol Records, and we've mm-hmm. got this beautiful building in L.A., mm-hmm. and we've got... Interscope, who's got the swankiest new office. And, Verve. And then you've got Verve, who's, yeah. who's had a relaunch in the last year. Danny Bennett's coming. Yeah. He's doing a great job rebuilding that program. you got yeah. Republic, Island, Def Jam. All these uh, companies are very different. And the cool thing about Universal, which I th- still think is a big part of our, our culture, is that if you look at like Island and you look at Def Jam and you look at Republic um, and you look at Interscope, you know, mm-hmm. these were all companies that were started – you know, basically by entrepreneurs, kind of as, as independent labels that grew into majors. Yeah. And um, it's just interesting, you know, that's still a big part of our culture. We're looking for people that aren't afraid to take swings and, and go out there and do unique things. And, you know, uh, even our streaming, you know, marketing team uh, was started by an entrepreneur who had an independent business called mm-hmm. Dixon here in Nashville. And uh, we acquired the company, and now like he's changing the way that we we look at streaming and how we analyze mm-hmm. data. Jay Frank is his name. But yeah, I mean, we know Jay. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's a big part of Universal. We try to identify people that are doing very unique things and have a very entrepreneurial mindset, and trying to you know like hey you know come to, come work with all these other people that kind of think the way you do, and right. let's right. tie this all together and see how see what we can make right. happen here. So how is that different from the Warner experience? Um, well, hearing you explain kind of like what your program is, it's very, there are a lot of things that are really similar. Like we are really focusing on streaming mm-hmm. and less on the physical. Um, and that's been like really within the last semester or two. Um, we, we work on basically bi-weekly schedules and we get artists for two or three, maybe four, depending on the cycle. And we used to get just a ridiculous amount of physical products to hang around, like posters, stickers, um, hats, pins, whatever to take to locations to give to students, whatever. But now it's no longer like that. It's sometimes we get stickers, but we get Spotify codes on stickers, and we pass them out. Like we are trying to really push the whole streaming factor. Um, we do things a little bit differently. I, based on what you were talking about, you guys have like teams, like production teams, and different things like that within your college reps. Mm-hmm. So 
basically we have to do that all of our, like ourselves each individual rep right and so sometimes our content quality is like not the greatest because whatever's happening you know those two weeks of your life that you just can't go out and film and edit and whatever and devote your time to it um, and sometimes it's fantastic like we have reps who have like the latest iPhone and can go out and just like film whatever and it can be like the coolest piece of content you've ever seen um, but we also kind of we have like a team structure as well we have two teams we have like the urban hip-hop team and the pop rock team and that those are just our markets split up so the areas that have more like hip-hop urban demographics they that's they push mostly like our hip-hop artists and then the rest of us we do pop and rock and unless you're Cardi B <laughs> you know then it kind of you know it shakes things up a little bit but um yeah it's very I like the idea of the whole team aspect of like production teams and everything because we are pushing the creative content well let me ask you this because you brought up a great point you're talking about how having to kind of do it by yourself I mean don't you do you think that creates like a little bit of an opportunity you know to kind of like learn new skills and like and you know do you feel like when you see like other reps doing things does that kind of like encourage you to be like hi that was really cool I want to learn to do that absolutely absolutely and like they do give us some ideas um, and like we get like focus docs at the beginning of our cycles and they're like well here's like an idea for what you could do sometimes they do give us like physical things um, like I actually got like car fresheners the other day for a rep <laughs> and that, or for a give it to every it was like kind of interesting like it was in, it had to do with like this band and they're like it was an inside joke for the band and so a lot of us had the same idea, and that was to create a time-lapse video. And so of like you driving with the thing dangling in your window. And like seven of the whatever 50 of us did that. And But they were all different because some of us used actual recording equipment, some of us used cell phones, some of us used whatever. But like it really does create, I mean, and we're so confident in like our friendships. People, we've never met each other, most of us. And, but we are texting each other, we're calling each other. Being like, what's a good idea for this? What can we do for this? Like, just brainstorming all the time. And our supervisors are really good about that too. You know, asking what we need. You know, what ideas can we come up with and refine? Um, but I mean, I like the creative ideas. Sometimes I'm not very good with it, but other times <laughs> I think I succeed. And what's your market? Like, where are you based? Um, in Wayne, New Jersey. So it's like suburb New York City. Like, and I'm the only one in New Jersey. Are you are you a student at, at yeah, New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Does, so. does anybody call it Willie P's, or am I just making that we up? We call it Willie P. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I was totally guessing. I was, that was a joke, and I was right. That's yeah. awesome. I think yeah. that's great. Because that's what I would call it if I went to school. Man, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. But. Wayne, New Jersey. Do they still have like the fountain place? In, in it's gone now. No, it's oh. gone. But that's gone. where Fountains of Wayne. Yeah. Got the name. Yeah. 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 So you ever seen the Sopranos? Yes. They, they swing by Fountains of Wayne. Okay. And the band is named after Fountains of Wayne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it sound yeah. like it's similar or? I, mean, I think it's just a different, I mean, I, I think um, there are similarities, I, mm-hmm. but I think as far as our, uh, the way we're structured and kind of our um, way of, of operating the department seems to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, uh, I, I would say like our team is like so much about like, we are very structured in the sense that we have these kind of like, we have all the reps that are kind of available to do these certain things, but then we have within the team these various divisions that have extreme focus. So, um, for example, like if you know we know somebody has an amazing ear for A and R, like all of our reps do A and R scouting. Right. Like we have like a few reps that are just kind of like 
you know, a little bit more developed in the scouting world that we'll put them in a mentorship program with some mm -hmm. of the labels where they'll mm -hmm. kind of go back and forth. Um, we try to like help people, we help, try to help all the reps develop and learn new skills, but at the same time, we know somebody is just meant to be a publicist, mm -hmm. you know, we'll put mm -hmm. them in, in one of those publicity roles. Because mm -hmm. uh, that allows them to do like real work while they're in college. So instead of like, you know, going into a job interview with like, hey, I had a, uh, an internship for a semester one of our labels like oh here's like the 150 placements I got over the last few months for yeah. this artist right. and it's like real like work that you know they can say oh I've already got my portfolio yeah. things I've actually done right. which is kind of a unique situation for someone who's you know 21 22 years old and because sure. I just have to like you know when I was at um, my career I've always been a marketing guy and I, I always thought that, you know, the mentorship part of it, the HR part of it, whatever that is, was always secondary to me. You know, right. now one thing at Universal, when the whole, when it's all on you, when it's like your department and your team and you, it's up to you guys to develop, uh, I always say I've got two things that I have to do. I have two major goals. I've got to develop artists and I've got to develop people. Mm -hmm. uh, I think those two things are now equal with me mm -hmm. and I feel the same. You know, sense of pride when we get a gold record, I would say that, you know, I'm just as proud, if not more, when I get a call, one of our reps got another job yeah. within our company. Sure. Because, um, you know, it's such a big investment, and to see their their career growth and what they do over the next 10 years. Um, it's interesting, at uh, Warner, it's not called human resources, or maybe that's the umbrella yeah. but whoever is there is in talent recruitment no yeah. internal talent recruitment yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so it it's saying really what you're saying because mm -hmm. I was just thinking when we started this whole conversation you said that actually there's a number of them that become employees right. and it almost sounds like you're starting that from day one right that these students uh, that are now students are really gonna are employees and we hope that they are good enough that they get over into the universal umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. And that's our goal, part of our goal. And I was just thinking, because when I first heard that at Warner, that now this person in charge of internal talent. Yeah. Well, we've always heard human resources. You know, yeah. we heard, but internal talent makes such yeah. a... Uh, yeah, so talent it, acquisition like, in talent yeah, development. Exactly. Part of the you know. Because, like, you know, as we evolve as an industry, we look at, like, you know the skill sets that are needed to kind of push our business sure. forward, and there's no better place to look than like at the you know very entry level positions of your company. And there also might be people at the assistant or uh, coordinator level that have skills that are amazing. You know that maybe they haven't been encouraged to put to use because mm -hmm. oh it's not part of my day job. Like, right. You know they they could be hiding a talent that could be their next job in the industry. Yeah. So we're trying to do a better job also identifying that. Yeah. You know within our our, our entry level employees. But I mean the thing about like with the college up job though it's different than an internship. I mean they are truly you know like employees because you know. Paid. They, they're getting paid. They get a business card. They get a company email address. Sure. You know, they get. You know, they're getting. Mm -hmm. You know, they're in charge of. You know, overseeing like you know budgets for certain things. So, you know, they're they are employees. You know, yeah. and they're treated right. and they're, they're respected as such. Because like I think that that was always the biggest thing. It's like you know you're kind of like you're try, you're expecting people to act like adults, but you're not giving them. Yeah. the resources to, yeah, yeah. And, the cha and you're not challenging them enough to do that yeah, yeah. and then when you look at like the amazing things that college students have done you know creating Facebook creating Snapchat yeah, creating right. all these things that we use that on a daily use. basis yeah. 
I, I don't think our expectations for college students in the music industry should be any lower. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I feel that, yeah, you know, we figured some things out. We're doing well as a business again, but it's right. these employees that are going to push our industry forward. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, we're having this conversation. You don't mind, do you? No, this is oh, Okay. <laughs> no, but we, um, we always had this bachelor's program, you know, and the entry level from bachelor's program to the business is really through the internship and we always go out and say to the interns going out you want to hear these four words you want to hear when are you done <laughs> don't care if you have a three nine if you're from harvard or if you're from yeah. a biology major when are you done because you have it and the idea being there that we always used to say too that when we were in the industry that the the industry is is run by a bunch of great C students that they get the degree, <laughs> they never go back. And here's a perfect example. David was at Polygram, and he got through his master's MBA through Pace, uh, at Pace. He's the only one in the company right. that was doing it. So we started an MBA program. I don't know how many years ago now, probably a good 10 years, yeah, right? Yeah. We started an MBA program, and um, I remember he wasn't there on board yet. But Aaron Van Dyne was on board, and Aaron and I were doing it together. And Aaron's a business manager for Kiss, Three Doors Down, Charlie Puth, um, Dave Matthews. You know, I mean, he's doing okay for himself. Yeah, 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 I mean, top right. level. So we would say to the MBAs, we would say to the undergrads, you don't need a three-piece suit. You're never going to need. You know, borrow one for that interview, and then they're going to say, "What the hell are you dressed up for?" You know, <laughs> but the, but we the, talk about that all the time. But the MBAs, we want you to buy a three-piece suit yeah. because we want you to go to jo- to to apply for jobs beyond the entry level and beyond just the music business. Right. And we said to we we were trying to Aaron and I we were trying to educate the uh, human resources that you're going to need these people because analytics and data are so important and that sociology guy that was a great guy and so on but he doesn't have the finance courses and all that stuff you're going to be needing and they would look at us like you know and then our beginning MBA students would get through internship they would get basically the same job as not in the last three or four years now they're they're starting to say in uh, you know Paul Sinclair is at Atlantic, who's the head of digital there. So, and we get so much, we need people that can interpret this stuff quicker than we can because we're not schooled to yeah, do it. There's different parts of the business that, that require a different skill Yes, so it's coming around, you know, and we're feeling good about it because, well, right now we have, I don't know how many are here, three or four MBA yeah. candidates are here with us doing all this. But we have. You know, we, we think we're on the right track, so much so that we've been trying to knock on the door of Warner, and we would certainly do it at, at Universal, is can you get us a cohort of your employees that want to get their MBAs? It's going to help you. You know, they also get the discount, so it's going to help us. And if you can get 20 in the company to be in this cohort, we'll come to you. We'll come to Universal on Thursday night or whatever night it is and teach that cohort. And they're just now, they don't have the mechanism to say, you know, this is, this is great. They still got all those ladders because it's corporate. But we're, now that's our next step of trying to beat on the, on the door. Yeah, I would say, like, I mean, you know, the majority of people that make it in the industry, I mean, I'll look at some of the 
new executives and the new blood that's coming to your company. It's just, you know, it's really about, you know, even at the student level, I mean, to your point about, you know, when are you done, like looking at the, uh, the resume and like, yeah, I, I can say that, you know, I've never looked at somebody's GPA. I don't look at what program right. they came from. Right. Uh, first thing I like, and, and Frank, uh, you know, yeah. I credit him with like always bringing this up when we talk to, when we'd be interviewing candidates, like a lot of people put that skills section at the bottom of the resume. Yeah. That is the most important part yeah. of your resume. That should be at the top before your education, before anything else in your resume. What are your skills? Mm. Like, do you know how to use Adobe Premiere? Do you know how to yeah. use Photoshop? Do you know how right. to use Excel? Do you know these different kind of programs and analyze data? Because yep. like, those are the things that like, people are like, oh, wow, they know how to do this and this. And then they say, oh, wow, they've done this. They've done this internship. They've worked as a college rep for how many years? They've mm. done mm-hmm. you know, this on their own. They started their own you know, website or blog right. or like they, you know, ran their own promotion company while, you know, while they're doing this. Um, those are the things that, you know, really matter more, you know, I think to employees right now than the education part of it. The education is important because I always talk about my educational experience when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you, where did you go to college? Texas state. Um, so, you know, we didn't have a music industry program, but we had a college radio station. And, you know, mm-hmm. for me, that was like everything it was my doorway you know, into the music industry and to learn about the music industry. So I could say, I could say people like, do you ever use the degree? Well, no, but it was because of college, because of that college radio station that I got my foot in the industry because of the college radio station. Mm -hmm. I got to be a street street marketing rep for uh, uh, Columbia Records. I got a job at Waterloo Records based Mm -hmm. on my relationships there. All of a sudden I had three jobs in the music industry that were based on the fact that I went to this college that had this cool college radio station. And that's something that only existed because I was going to school. So when people doubt, like, the value of education, I think they just need to assess what education means in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, you guys are educators, so you you probably see it a very different way, but for me, it's like, I think, you know, getting a degree shows that you can be committed to something and walk away, and you've you've put this much time in your life doing this. Persistence. But at the same time, it's like the fact that you chose to go to a school that opened these doors, which led you to this, to this, to this, to this, you know, says a lot about you as well. And how did you utilize that opportunity while you're in school to like mm-hmm. set up, you know, a career in music? Well, college, college is a lot about the intangibles. Yeah. And uh, what they I, do I outside the yeah, classroom, with, not yeah. in the classroom. And even just when you enter at 17 or 18 years old, by the time you get out at 22, you are such a, you've grown so much. So, totally. and college is helping you and it's, putting that four years off before you really have to do for the rest of your life what you're going to do and it allows you to grow as a person and experience all these different things with all these different people and mess up and fail and have breakups and experience everything so that when I go work for you and you criticize me is that the first time somebody said, dude, what are you doing? You know, and now I go in the bathroom and I cry for 15 minutes because, you know. <laughs> it is strange you're still but, doing that at this point in your career. But <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, it's, it's, it's so true. I mean, I was at Syracuse and, of course, we had yeah. that famous radio station, WAER, was from Walter Cronkite to, to so, oh, so many people. Right. The, but the, but the, the Ted Utz and, the, and Phil Quattarero and, and um, Jonathan Sykes and so on, it's what they did out of the classroom. Newhouse was a, was a joke. I can tell you the guys wore turtlenecks and a taut and they might be just <laughs> slept on Ed uh, Silverman's couch in those days and so on. But they couldn't teach to save their lives. And these guys knew it. It's what they yeah. did as college reps or they manned the radio station, you know, and just took over 
and all of that. That's really exactly what we're saying, and we say that to the students all the time. It's what you do out of the classroom. And we have here um, at um, William Patterson, we have a station now three years in a row, the best college station in the country, over 10,000 students. You know, and there's different people that rate them, of course. Right. So this one's won three times now. And we have a producer here that produces our show for us, basically does the dials, Ashley well, and she'll see if she set these mics. She brought these on her own. She said, these are better than what you've been using. She set up for our panel yesterday and so on. And then she's a sophomore now? Or she's she's just finished her sophomore year. I mean, and she's just dove into that radio station. She's a music director and so on. Right. You know, we didn't even have to do anything. But that's the kind of thing you're looking for. You're going to say, well, you did all this on your own and nobody did, you know, we want to interview you. And right. it's great when you... It's when a great you, example. Ex exactly what you're saying, that the university has this to offer. Take advantage of it. Don't sit in your room getting high all the time. That's not, <laughs> not going to do that much for you, you know. It's so. amazing what you can do when you're high, but, like, don't do that. <laughs> um, just kidding. Just kidding. You know, but, like, you know, to your point, though, earlier we are talking about, like, you know, when you come into college, when you leave and that... You know, with our positions, like Frank and I have to deal, and, you know, we've got a great team um, that just amazing mentors, you know, Brittany Hoytich, our manager, Rebecca Espinosa is based in New York. She's our senior manager. We've got Asia Howard, who came from you know, OBREP program, and she's kind of, uh, you know, doing working with us in New York. And we've got, you know, Mike, my assistant, all came from various programs. But, you know, we had this challenge and this opportunity where, our staff are still learning how to be adults. Mm. And um, that's something that other people don't have to deal with with their staffs. And, but at the same time, you know, there's this added benefit of like all these things you experience when you grow and, and, and you know, you're developing your taste. And they say like so much of what your taste later in life is developed mm. while you're in college. And so we have like a, a front row seat to kind of like see that development. Mm. But at the same time, there are the things like, you know, you know, when you have to criticize somebody for the first time, yeah. you have to like yeah. you know, really, you know, get on, get on somebody, you know, teaching people to kind of be accountable for their wins and their losses, yeah. you know, and I feel like that's just part of the development process, but it's something that, you know, happens during that, that, yeah, that you're like um, us. Yeah. See, cause we get older, but, but our constituency doesn't, yeah. they're 18 yeah. to 22 and we keep getting older. Mm -hmm. And same thing with you. You know, you guys keep getting older and more mature, but you're yeah. still dealing with these 18 to 22 people. Yeah. It's a it's a very unique thing being a right. a teacher and educator. And of course, it gets a lot of more men than women in trouble right. many times because they go through then their um, you know midlife crisis and so <laughs> on. Right. And they're looking at people you know that that are still that age that they thought they still want to be and and so on. Yep. But it really is exactly what you're saying when you, the first time you have to call, I just had a student that we got her dead, nailed her. She copied a, a book report. I mean, I got word for word and so on and so forth. So we finally, and he was the advisor after this woman actually, and we called her in and we had to do, you know, and she was so stupid the way she did it. Huh. Uh, it was a, it was a book report, and then you had to choose five songs on a rock music course. You had to choose five songs, blah, blah, blah. Well, she only chose four instead of five. And I said, Jesus, years ago, only one other girl did that. And actually, word for word, the entire book. Wow. So we brought her in. I said, you know, we could go to 
ethics committee at the university, that's it. You're going to be out. I mean, if I bring you, I have every right to bring you there or whatever. So we wound up failing her on the project and so on. But we also said, don't do this for a living. You're awful at it. You're, you're, just, you're awful at it. It was too easy to find you. Well, but it's the same that's type a of thing. Great point. I mean, I think like one thing, you know, there's there's a development process. If you want to be in the music industry, it's it's not like the easiest industry. Um, you know, like uh, there's a lot. It's a high reward, but very high risk and high commitment business. Um, you know, when I say high reward, that reward could take years and years and years mm-hmm. and years of hard work, though, which means the commitment has to be there first. So if you, know, you go through your career and, you know, you kind of cut corners, um, you know, those, those, those gaps that you skip are going to catch up at some point, mm. whether it be a knowledge gap, whether it be an experience gap, whether it be a maturity gap. At yeah. some point, if you don't address that along the way, it's going to catch up with yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that we really try to focus on. We try to like identify those kind of issues early, and and you know, and, and you know, be honest with people. Like you know, if it's if it's if you're not right for the business, and I and I know with my experience that somebody may not be, you know, there's out, we were talking about this last night actually. I was like, one of two things are going to happen. They're either going to disagree with you and do everything they can to prove you wrong and hopefully they're successful at doing yeah. so that's the best thing yeah. that's the best thing when like you say oh you know what i just haven't been giving it all you're right i'm gonna go prove you wrong yeah. that shows fight shows grit that shows <coughs> development those people are gonna make it or they just walk away mm-hmm. you know what i mean and, and, and when you get in situations where let's say you have to like let go of uh, an employee or you know in your case like a student leaves the school uh, or drops out or whatever there's also this thing, well, like either, you know, they're going to just continue on a path that's, you know, that's not going to lead them to success or they're going to take that as a learning opportunity mm-hmm. and be like, wow, you know, I'm, that's never going to happen again. I'm going to fix this now. I, I'm going to work hard to get another chance and I'm going to make the most of that opportunity. It may not be the opportunity you gave them, but there might be another opportunity and how much do they learn from that experience and going through it. And, and again, those are things that we deal with as educators and mm-hmm. as you know, uh, music industry professionals dealing with a certain demographic that uh, are unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but to the point uh, of that, I think there's a lot of opportunity in that as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Part of your job is also experiential marketing. Yeah. We've talked a lot about the college and the lifestyle, but what is what is that part? So yeah, I mean, you know, even though this was college focused, like University of Michigan, we did our first like um festival. Um, you know, which was on the University of Michigan campus. It was like two chains, Little Yachty, Designer, um, three other acts, Nightly, Saint Mesa, Ocean Park Standoff. So we had a day stage and a night stage and we pulled together this this uh great um showcase and this this great uh, festival experience with these college students uh, called Music Matters. There's a charity on campus that mm-hmm. they raise money for um, kind of just uh, building a summer camp, building a summer camp or some digital, uh, mm-hmm. unique social cause each year. And we kind of took that proof of concept and, and you know, we're looking to do more live events like that outside of college uh, at, at Universal in the future. And, you know, so that can involve like, you know, looking at an opportunity, whether it be a live opportunity or a branding opportunity and kind of getting involved in like project managing those kind of initiatives. Um, so it's a very new uh, part of the job uh, that we're still trying to like, I'm still growing into and figuring out, but we've got a few things we're working on for 2019 right now, which would be, you know, like live experiences, getting our artists in front of people, working with our brand team to do different 
types of experiences. So the experiential part, uh, it's, a, it's a new initiative, um, but it's something that we're focused on in the future. And also, like, there might be uh, bigger projects, uh, like uh, Universal, we've recently relaunched Polygram as a studio. So we're doing like you know feature uh, feature length films and documentaries, um, so building you know marketing events around these types of things. Like we've got a Pavarotti documentary coming. We've got mm. this Motown 60th, 60th anniversary. So you know there might be um, events that require the resources not just of the, the label and the catalog division and the center of the company, but you need someone to kind of be a catalyst to pull all this stuff together. And that's kind of where I would come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did you choose the University of Michigan for that festival? Was that through the college program? Sometimes they just choose you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we there is a they have this amazing. He's just such a passionate guy that it seems Phil Sherman. He like runs the the, the um, it's kind of the advisor, I guess, for the Music Matters program. It's run by students, but he was an alum that kind of I believe was one of the founders of yeah. of that of that uh, charity and started the, their Spring Fest that they do every year. And he had come to, I was like, I just started the job. And he came to us and was like looking for artists to kind of get artists to participate in their event a few years ago. And we ended up getting uh, an artist uh, that ended up playing the festival. And the next year he came back and said, hey, what do you guys think about partnering on the festival? Like, you guys could be a partner and like we could scale it. We can do the first show that, you know, was at the Chrysler Center in 15. Yeah. And he like, he had this whole pitch down. And I'm like... All right, Phil, let me see what we can do. It just so happened to be at the point where we were at, like really ready to have mm-hmm. a conversation about doing an actual festival and doing a live business. Like now at Universal, we have UML, like UMLE, our Latin division, has LFest, which is a big festival for several thousand people in Southern California. We've got the U Music Experience, which is our college brand. We've got, uh, you know, a few other things we're working on as well that are very niche. But um, it just, we were just, we're starting those conversations at Universal, and all of a sudden, this college, which is one of the largest universities, you know, large public universities in the uh, country, kind of knocks at your door and is asking to partner with you. And it seemed like a great learning experience. It seemed, I, I love the charitable aspect of it because yeah. it was, you know, we were able to, and the camp they put together was phenomenal. They, they would take uh, students from the Detroit area, take them to the University of Michigan campus, and do a whole like, couple of days like a seminar on how to prepare for college life how to apply for uh, financial aid how to you know what college life looks like and so people could aspire to you know could aspire to 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 be a college student someday and and what the value of it and like not just like outside of the classroom like Mm -hmm. what is what is being college Mm -hmm. student mean and that's like the uh, social cost they had for that year so you know with all that you know in front of us you know we kind of like we're like, okay, cool. Let's get our brand team involved. Let's get our content team involved. Let's, you know, let's, uh, you know, work together to do something really, really cool. And ended up being a really, really great event. I mean, I, I remember the timing of it was tough because I think, like, you know, it came down to like the last like six weeks, and we were just now booking our our headliner, and we had a three week on sale. We did like mm-hmm. you know four thousand tickets for for the paid show that night, and then we had like a free a free day stage with our more developing artists, and we had. You know, brand activations from Clorox, which they actually found a way to make bleach really, really cool. They did this, <laughs> they did this like T-shirt bleaching station. Our uh, merch company Bravado came in and mm-hmm. brought in like all these T-shirts so students could like wait in line and do like, you know, could grab a free Justin Bieber T-shirt or Ariana Grande or designer or whoever, and do the or the Beatles and do these like tie dye kind of like it's like modern tie dye. They do these bleach bleach T-shirts yeah. and like they had bleach pins. They had a street artist kind of working the activation. We had a line of like. 300 kids for like 
five straight hours right. for a bleaching event. And then we had uh, Sony Electronics come on and do like what's called the Sony Sound Lounge, where we had like speaking engagements. And we had like mm-hmm. a gaming center. We had um, DJ sets. Um, mm-hmm. So we got to really pull together like a really cool, um, you know, live activation, which uh, you know kind of hit on multiple passion points, not just the performance, but the speaking and education part of it mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And they were they were who was the one bringing in? Who did the bleach? Uh, Clorox, yeah, so our Clorox. brand team, Universal, okay. uh, like, so we, our, our brand team worked with, like, Clorox and their agency to get them involved. And then right. Bravado, who's a division of our company as mm-hmm. well, uh, fulfilled the, the merch part of it. Right, okay. Yeah. So what did they do? What did... The, not, uh, the guy, the charity, the guy from, the, from Michigan. Well, this is just part of the activation to, like, right. s- to scale their event and make it an experience. Uh-huh. I mean, to, to drive traffic there. Um, but, you know... Was the, he promoting it? Was he providing this... this oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, he, the their or? division is, like, at that school is, like, 200 strong. So they had uh-huh. every kid going around every area of, of the, you know, Detroit and Ann Arbor and even East Lansing and Ypsilanti nearby mm-hmm. and promoting the show. Um, you know, they... When, at the day of the show, I mean, like, that was the stagehands. That was the, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they worked every aspect. They, they, worked, they worked every aspect with us. I mean, like, they, they provided the manpower. Because, you know, we were in L.A., and they were, they were making things happen on the ground in Ann Arbor. It was, mm-hmm. it was pretty yeah, phenomenal. Mandating the red tape at a university is pretty tough. So yeah. they were the people on the ground, at least pointing us in the right That's direction. That's right. Having yeah. the hard conversations, putting yeah. lawyers in touch with lawyers. And it's, it's just... Again, when you talk about like your expectations of college students, like I mean, that's why they're, I feel like they should be so high because our experience with, you know, working with a student organization like that was just so phenomenal that, you know, wow, like these people really are going to take over the world someday. Mm-hmm. You know, these young adults, they, you know, they have so many great ideas and they, they uh, you know, and even like the talent booking part of it. You know, like you know, we were opening a door to have the conversations with our labels and the, our artists and, and and the agents that represent them. But at the same time, I mean, they were writing the the, the deal memos, and you mm-hmm. know, they were, you know, we were working closely on what the ask of the artists were, and they thought all this through as college students. Mm-hmm. I mean, so look, I mean, there's a lot of experience that uh, you just haven't had a chance to gain at that age. But I was really impressed at what they what they did know, and I think mm-hmm. we learned a lot from them too, which is also impressive. Yeah. You know, so. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That almost sounds, in and of itself, its own program. Yeah, you know, for, for you guys, you know, and then you know, duplicating that around the country. It's a goal. I mean, for yeah. sure. I mean, I, I think like you know, you've got to be careful with it because you know you want to make sure that uh, at the end of the day, we don't want to you know, we don't want to do something that's subpar. You know, like that mm-hmm. that was like the lightning in a bottle, perfect event, perfect time. So we mm-hmm. want to make sure that whatever we're doing, it's scaled to that university and the university, the cultures at the, all these universities are so different. Mm-hmm. So we can't necessarily do a one-size-fits-all model it just travels Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so you know i think that the more we partner with universities and get to know people and identify opportunities because we do a lot of events at universities that are much smaller um you know we've done like we are we constantly have like our artists going to universities and you know doing shows either set up by a school or sometimes we'll set it up um but you know or we'll have like for example like jack and jack or like these youtube stars from like Mm -hmm. uh, the uk and they had no idea what Greek life was. And, uh, and our rep at uh, uh, University of Central Florida has like 60,000 students. She was like a member of this huge sorority. Mm-hmm. She's like, hey, we're going we're gonna to pull together this like, sorority event for Jack and Jack. And I was like thinking, like, I don't think they know what a sorority is. But, mm-hmm. like, I th- but they're down for it. So they showed up and did this little like, sor- sorority serenade for these. Like, and they're like, oh, my gosh, there's like 
300 girls here. What's going on? You know, it's like it's like they had no idea what Greek life was because it's not transferable to every territory. But for them to experience that was kind of funny. But that's an example of like a much smaller performance that we we would create. Um, you know, we've had. Uh, you know, these kind of speaking engagements. We had like this really cool thing happen at UC Berkeley actually, which that's the thing, you gotta be like very proactive in the college space, but also uh, sometimes you just gotta look at what's happening and read it read it back and be able to react to it very quickly. Um, you know, I, I know that you know UC Berkeley you're probably aware that during their free speech week they had all these kind of protests, they mm -hmm. had all these yeah. white nationalists that were going there to speak and I think uh, a lot of the students felt that it wasn't representative of, you know, the student body as a whole. And, uh, you know, they're not all violent protesters. They're not, you know, there's people that are going to school that, you know, want to have, you know, a culture of inclusiveness and diversity. And, and one of the students was, like, so frustrated about all this negative coverage that she was like, hey, you know, she tweeted at Vic Mensa and said, you know, would you want to come and speak at UC Berkeley? I really feel like you reflect a lot of our values and it would be awesome if you came by and it was just a tweet out there you know could it, he could have responded not responded he responded and said um, this sounds really promising and the cool thing was in less than a week you know we got with Rock Nation and Vic's team and we worked out a way for him to go do a speaking engagement at the university and the cool th other cool thing was this student organization that the girl was a part of was called Superb and they do all these events at UC Berkeley, and they had staging and lighting and all that kind of stuff. So that speaking engagement turned into a pop-up show, and you had several hundred students on the quad mm -hmm. at UC Berkeley getting a free show from Vic Mensa. And it was just such a, mm. such a great event, and the cause behind it and the spirit behind it was, yeah. was yeah. very organic. Because I think like you're, when you're working with this demographic, they see through everything. And when it's real, they know it's real. And like that was something that we were able to be a part of that – um, you know, felt very real because it came from a very real place. Mm -hmm. And you had an artist that was the perfect artist who actually believed in, you know, what was happening. Um, so I feel like, you know, we're trying to do those kind of things more and more as well, but those are the things that you can't force. You know, we're trying to find opportunity that that's not just right for the school, but right for the artist and is appropriate for that artist. We should have, right before... We did this interview. We actually had a universal artist in the room who we were talking to. We should have introduced him to you. And yeah, after you sat down, yeah. his name is Matt Hunter. Yeah. And universal, uh, universal Latin. Oh, cool. Yeah. And he has a song called uh, Descent, D-I-C-E-N, with this woman, Lele Pons, that has gotten in a week 22 million views on YouTube. Mm -hmm. but, he's, but he's signed to you guys. And it would have been a great introduction because could have said, so... Is there opportunity for you guys? Do you work Latino artists? Uh, is, is, is we talk a lot about that. I mean, yeah. I, I, when it comes to like Latino artists, I mean, I think we want to be a service to all of our labels. Mm -hmm. And you know, we've talked a lot about lately about how do we start integrating all kinds of artists into our programming? Because like one mm -hmm. thing we try to do is build templates that we can plug people into, like the Masterclass series where we have all the artists go to college campuses, like mm -hmm. or anything live that we're doing. We want to integrate our Latin artists more into that. Also, I think uh, from the standpoint of like, we want to truly think global. That's why, like, I mean, for me, I, I really think that our model, you know, university culture in the U.S. is so unique. I mean, that's one of the most unique things about America is our university culture. It's not the same in the U.K. It's not the, you know, these other right. Anglican countries where you think it'd be very similar, you know, maybe to an extent, but it's also very different there. Like, I saw that when we, I was working with the U.K. team and launching our team there. But, you know, we're a truly global company now. Like, when something goes live on Spotify, it's 
it's all over the world. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the world has access to it. So I think at some point in what my vision is, is to have a, a global network of young creatives working for the company that can like truly, you know, speak to this demographic, regardless of language, culture, whatever, um, <clears throat> to have enough diversity and enough territories around the world that have these programs that we're in contact and we have a, a collaborative you know, nature between us uh, to, you know, find those opportunities for artists because artists travel. You know, and, you know, it used to be like, oh, your artist is going to the UK for uh, a tour, so we don't have access to them for a month. That's no longer the case. Yeah. You know, like you just, your marketing is just happening in a different city. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, an artist goes to the UK, now I can call, you know, Tom Land, who runs our, our division in the UK, and say, hey, you know, uh, we've got... Um, one of our artists who we, we share a repertoire, they're signed to Interscope here, they're signed to Polydor there. Like, can we, you know, kind of like work on getting some uh, stuff going on with them in the UK, whether it be shooting an episode of our original content series called Case Study, where we get with artists and go through their suitcase and talk about the crazy stuff mm-hmm. they carry with them on the road? Or is there, like, you know, they, they'll call us and be like, hey, can you guys shoot Haley Steinfeld because we need an episode of their original content series? Uh, Sound bites, and you know, so we kind of trade off that way, and we're working collaboratively mm-hmm. together to make sure that just because the artist isn't leave, is leaving the territory, um, that they're not, that we're not losing access to them. And I think like Latin is, you know, it's such a huge opportunity forever. You know, we've seen that people are reacting to Latin music regardless of whether they know the language or not, because. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a rhythm and there's a feel and there's an emotion and, and people feel that regardless of the lyrics. And I think that's going to be true of all kinds of genres. And there's going to be music coming from places that you never thought. Yeah. You know, one thing we talk a lot about, I spoke about this a few weeks ago, is that, you know, there are certain countries in, like in Africa that have like a, the average median age is like under 20. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're talking about like, I think, you know, there's uh, one of the countries like the average median age is like 15 years old or something like that. And smartphone penetration is at an all-time high. So, therefore, you know, access to music is going to be at an all-time high. So, like, Africa pre- pre- uh, presents a huge growth opportunity for us. You know, and you're going to start seeing music coming from Africa mm-hmm. that is going to start taking over, like, you know, different territories because mm-hmm. people are going to be exposed to it, you know, for the first time because of how, how easily music travels right now. we got to figure out, are we prepared for that? How do we position ourselves to be a truly global marketplace and make sure that the best music from any territory gets in front of the most amount of people? Yeah. Well, I think the best interview just got in front of the best Yes. <laughs> Very nice. Well done interview. This is my closing remarks of turning out what you said into the end because Frank Hill is clearly hungry. <laughs> but we want to want to thank you guys for being yeah, here great, on uh, great Music discussion. Discord one more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's great to meet you guys. I mean, and, and I think what you guys are doing is really, really cool. I mean, I will say the fact that this is for college radio is a big selling point for me because I mean, college radio. I I have a career because of college radio. Yeah. And you know, and I, I, I value what you guys are doing. I think it's great. And you know, congrats on, on on the show, and congrats on the program, and congrats Thanks. congrats on you know the the students that you're continuing to develop. So thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All right, thank and you. Kellen Barnes. Yes. Thank you thank for you. being here. Kellen Barnes. Thank you. The KB. The KB. Right.
Dr. Esteban, thank you yes, for being here. Yes, and my co-host. I will see you shortly. I will see you shortly, but don't yeah. call me shortly. So at the end of every show, we don't say hello, Frank Hill. That'd be stupid because it's the end, not the beginning. So you know what we say at the end of every show, Frank Hill? Goodbye. Adios! Adios! Hey, Dave, what do Paul Sinclair from Atlantic, Tom Hefter from Ticketmaster, Rosie Lopez from Tommy Boy, and Heather Ellis from Pandora all have in common? They're all bigwigs in the music and entertainment industry, Esteban. And? They all hate warm beer. And? They've all been guests on the Music Biz 101 and More radio show at 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Bingo! If you want to learn more about the music and entertainment biz, tweet in a question and tune in every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock to Music Music Biz 101 101 and More on Brave New Radio. Radio.